Well, we are in uh, the 100-day dare, and um, Pastor Sean, um, Pastor Sean, if you're here for the first time, is our lead pastor. I'm Aaron Poor, the associate pastor. And when we started off in this series in January, he asked me, do you have a certain point in the series that you would like to speak? Because, you know, we're going through the reading plan. It's taking us from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And I said, listen, when we get to talking about King David, I would love to be able to get up and speak that weekend. And so guess what? We're there. Now, we're not there in our reading plan. We, the, the, the message, like Pastor Sean said, uh, it comes just a little bit ahead of where our reading is. And so we're going to be going into 1 Samuel here real soon. And so we're going to talk about David. Now, King David, in my opinion, is one of the most interesting people in the Bible. And that's saying a whole lot. Because there are a ton of interesting characters throughout the Bible. If you've spent any time reading the Word of God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I think King David is one of the most interesting. Uh, More is written about him in the Bible than any other person except for Jesus. And so we see a lot of David's life laid out. Um, From him being a young boy all the way through the events of his life to his death. And I actually... When I was preparing for this message this week, my intention was to give you kind of an overview of David's life first. And I got about two hours (laughs) into the attempt to do that, and I realized there's no way we have time to look at all that. It would be a series in and of itself. So just take my word for it. His life is packed full of events, exceptional events. David was an exceptional leader. You guys know that David was an exceptional sinner. David was also an exceptional repenter. Few people have sinned like David has, and few people have repented like David did. David was an exceptional musician, poet, and artist. And at the same time, David was an exceptional warrior. David was a brutal warrior. But he was also this exceptional artist, musician, and poet. David kind of crushes stereotypes. David was uh, an exceptional worshiper. He was an exceptional worshiper. And uh, Sarah and I, uh, when we started, you know, having kids, and and Kelsey was our first child, and, and... Then Kayla came along, and then Haley, and we had these daughters. And all along, I knew that if we were going to have a son, I knew what his name was going to be. And so we we had David, our twins, David and Kylie. And so we we named our son after David in the Bible because he's an exceptional person. But it's not because of all of those things that I mentioned to you that makes him so exceptional. What makes him so exceptional is what God said about David. God said that David was a man after his own heart. God said that David was a man after his own heart. And um, nobody else in the Bible is described that way. So there are two major moments in David's life that I want to just pull out 
and take a closer look at. <clears throat> and, and as we closed out worship, we prayed for two types of people. Uh, I prayed for people who are at this moment facing something overwhelming. And what I want to ask you to do right now is, let's take this out of the realm of the academic where it's not just a guy standing up here telling you information about something in the Bible. Let's make this personal. Let's make this real. And if you're facing something challenging, overwhelming, we could say a giant in your life, then I want you to think about that right now. I want you to bring that to the forefront <clears throat> and be aware of whatever that thing is. It could be a diagnosis that you've been given. It could be a financial situation you're in. It could be a relationship that seems like it will never resolve. It could be any number of things, but it's something that feels overwhelming and you don't believe you have the power in and of yourself to overcome it because you don't. I want you to think about that. And then again, the other type of person, if you have come through that, and I'm not saying this, this doesn't necessarily mean just something last week. This could be something for years and years you've been struggling to just get back to normal, to recover, to get back to a place where you feel peace again, to get back to a place where you can experience joy again. It feels like it's been a long time since that's happened. And you just want to get back to a place where things are normal again and you've recovered from the battle. I want you to think about that. And I want you to have that as a context as we look at our text for today. So David has two moments in his life that I want to pull out and apply to those situations. The first one um, is kind of an obvious one. You might guess what it is. If you ever, if you spend any time in Sunday school, you probably looked at one of those, I don't even remember what they called them, children's Bibles or whatever, but one of those big picture book Bibles, you know, that you open up and it's got illustrations of all the stories. And I, and I always have stuck in my mind this picture in that picture book of David and Goliath. And you have the picture of the, you know, young teenage David with the sling and the stone, and then you have the giant Goliath, the stone hits him and he's falling backwards. And so you might be familiar with the story of David and Goliath, but I'm willing to bet that for at least some of you in here, there is a... There's a powerful part of that story that you might have missed that is a key to facing Goliath in your life. And we're going to uncover that and put that in your hands today so that you can experience the same kind of victory. Now, is that a good thing? All right, so let's give a little backstory here <clears throat> just to give a little context. Um, God chooses David to be anointed as king um, and this happens in secret. The prophet Samuel is told by God, I want you to go anoint a king. And he goes to uh, Jesse and, pull, and has Jesse bring all of his sons before him. And Jesse brings these strapping, strong young men out that surely look like their king potential, and they're not. And God says, no, I haven't chosen him. No, I have not chosen him. And it ends up being David. And David is the youngest son. He's kind of the forgotten one. He's out in the hills tending to sheep. He's the youngest. Uh, Jesse, the father, doesn't even think to bring him in and present him as one of the options. 
But God chooses David, and Samuel anoints him to be king. And he's probably around 10 to 13 years old at this point in his life. Okay, and then shortly after that, things start moving. And David's life is kind of like a runaway train from this point on, all the way through to his death uh, years later. But shortly after that, King Saul, the, the, the present king in Israel, begins to be tormented by evil spirits. And uh, somebody in his court says, what you need to do is you need to hire somebody who's a great musician to come in here and play. And when they play music, it'll calm you down. That's what happens. And so let me actually read that to you. It's uh, 1 Samuel 16, 17 through 19. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. And one of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son who is with the sheep. Now, I have to say this uh, at this point because I can't resist. David played an instrument, and he was still a young man at this point, and he was evidently so skillful at playing an instrument that there was a reputation. Now, what instrument did David play? Well, he played a handheld stringed instrument, okay? He played a handheld. So David was renowned for playing one of these. He was like a guitar hero back in the day. There were no amplifiers or anything like that, but David out in the fields, jamming away, uh, somehow people had known, it, the, 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 the story of his skill had made it all the way to the king's courts, and they sent for David, and he showed up with his guitar, and uh, they hired him, actually, to stay there and play for Saul. And this is the truth, and this is what I want to say, David crushed stereotypes because David was known for being a man of valor and a man of war, and he was also a skillful musician and a poet. And so we tend to put people in boxes and say, oh, well, you got these kind of guys over here and these kind of guys over here. David did everything well, and he did everything and literally set standards in every area. So this happens in David's life. He's in the, the courts of the king playing for Saul, and then we move in to really the meat of our story. <clears throat> and I'm going to read through this account uh, from the Bible and uh, just get it straight out of the book. So what happens is David is sent by his father. The Israelites are facing off against the Philistines, and David's brothers are in the army. And uh, David's father, Jesse, says, I want you to take some food and provisions to your brothers and uh, drop it off for them. And so that's where we're picking up here in the story. So this is uh, 1 Samuel 17, 19 through 27. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. 
And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to, battle, to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. So David gets there, and he's supposed to be bringing lunch or whatever. And when he sees what's happening, he gets excited. He gives all the stuff to, to some guy, and he runs out to the front lines to see his brothers, and he wants to be where the action is. And uh, verse 23, he sees his brothers, and he talks with them, and behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. So what had happened, Goliath had been coming down and facing off against the whole army of Israel and basically just taunting them and trash-talking the army of Israel. So verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, this is a key right here, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, they said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. That means he won't have to pay taxes anymore. And uh, so verse 26, and David said to the men. Now, the men of Israel saw something and they said something. David saw the same thing and he said something different. Verse 26, David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? And takes away the reproach from Israel. Keep in mind that David is maybe 14, 15, 16 years old. Somewhere in that range. Think about a 15-year-old you know. And just kind of superimpose them into this story. That'll give you some context here. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, so it shall be done to the man who kills him. Listen, the men of Israel and David each saw something different when they looked at Goliath. Now, they saw the same Goliath, right? We could say this. They saw the same problem, but they each saw something different. They had a different perspective. What the men saw caused fear. What David saw caused righteous indignation. As a result, the men of Israel spoke out their fear, and David spoke out of faith. You see the difference? They're looking at the same thing. It's not like David's accidentally looking at some little puny guy somewhere and saying, what's everybody so afraid of? No, he's looking at the same Goliath that the men of Israel, Pastor Sean uh, spoke uh, a few months ago on the, the, uh, the spies going into the land. Remember when he said, what kind of spy are you? Same thing. So what did David see? <clears throat> if we can understand his perspective, if we can understand what David was seeing when he was looking at Goliath, then we can pull that nugget of truth into our own life 
And we can look at our giants the same way David looked at his giant. So what did David see? What did he see? It, the, the, the key is in the, the simple statement that he made or the simple question that he asked. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? David saw one simple distinction between Goliath and all of Israel. And it wasn't Goliath's size. It wasn't Goliath's training in war. Goliath had no covenant with God. But David did. And that was it. That's what summed it all up. See, the story of David and Goliath is really not about overcoming impossible odds or even God's deliverance. It's a story about understanding covenant. It's a story about understanding covenant. Israel was in covenant with God. The Philistines were not. And that was the only thing that mattered. David was the only one who understood that God was in the equation. You know, we can go around and quote scriptures all day long. If God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But it has to be real. It has to be a revelation that we understand and that is actually producing something in our life. But when we do understand that, then it does make all of the difference. And David was the only one that got that. That was all he needed to know. I mean, think about this. Goliath could have been 900 feet tall. And it wouldn't have made any difference. Because, and, and here's another thing where it gets real for you and me. David's size, David's experience, David's strength, David's skill in war were all irrelevant. Irrelevant. That's because it, it's not about David, right? It's not about David. And he got that. He understood that. And you are fighting or facing off against some kind of giant, some kind of impossible odds, and you have to be able to understand the same thing. It's not about you. It's not about your experience. It's not about how spiritual you are. It's not about how long you've known the Lord. It's not about you. You're with God, and God is with you, and it's all about him. The battle is the Lord's. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. So it's the same with you and your situation. You will face a Goliath at some point, but your Goliath does not have a covering you do. You have divine authority. Your problem does not. So it's, it's starting to get real now. David's starting to get stirred up. But even before David faces Goliath, his identity is attacked. And immediately people start saying, well, first off, his brothers, when he, takes, when he, when he comes up to his brothers and, and he sees them on the front lines, they're immediately like, what are you doing here? Are you here to mock us? Are you, did you just come down here to make fun of us? So they immediately question David's motives. And then other people 
are saying, you, you can't be, do you, you shouldn't be down here. You're too little. You're too young. You're not experienced enough. You don't belong in this situation. So listen, your identity will be questioned. But remember who God says he is and remember who God says you are. Here's what happened. 1 Samuel 17, 32, David said to Saul, "Let no Saul is the king. David's talking to the king now. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. So what Saul is doing is Saul is defining David and his identity and Goliath and his identity based on what Saul can see. That's what he's doing. He's looking at David, teenager, small, unskilled, unexperienced, and he's looking at Goliath, everything the opposite of that. And he's saying, you're this. He's, Saul is saying, you're small, you're weak, you're unexperienced, and your problem is too big for you. So he's defining them by what he can see with his eyes. David is not falling for it. Verse 34, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck it. Now, let me, let me pause just real quick here because I want you to understand what's happening. There are key things that happen in the conversations that David has with people leading up to this battle. There are key things that David does that you and I should be doing too. David's identity is attacked, right? Saul is saying, you can't do this. You're not strong enough. You can't face this enemy. David responds with a testimony. So David's response to that attack is, look, this is what God has done for me. God has been faithful to me in the past. He'll be faithful to me again. That's what David's doing. So let's pick it back up again. A lion and a bear took a lamb from the flock. Verse 35, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine, there it is again, covenant, shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. David's standing on a testimony. The Bible says we overcome our enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So David says, look, God's already delivered me. I'm just a boy, and I faced off against a lion and a bear. I've already been in impossible odds, and God has already been faithful to deliver me. How is this any different? It's not based on how big Goliath is. It's based on how big God is, and nobody's bigger than God, and God's on my side, and I'm not worried about it. And so that's what David's doing. So King Saul then uh, tries to outfit David with his armor. So again, Saul, I want you to see this, Saul is still operating in the natural. David has talked him into this and, and gotten him convinced, but Saul is still operating by what he can see. 
He's not, he hasn't clicked into the idea of we're in covenant with God and there's nothing to worry about. So Saul tries to put this heavy armor on David, the king's armor. And David's like, no, that's not going to work. That's not the way. And uh, he refuses it. He picks up five smooth stones and his slingshot, and he goes to face the giant. So 1 Samuel 17, 41, the Philistine moves forward and uh, came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So once again, David's identity, David's outward appearance, David's experience level, David's age is all pulled up and used as an accusation against him. Once again, it's happening. Now the enemy's doing it. And so David's identity is used against him. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? David ignores it. And he starts speaking the truth. Now, uh, this is another important thing that David does. We can learn so much from David in this experience. It sounds like David starts to trash talk Goliath. But it's not trash talking. David begins to prophesy to Goliath what God's going to do. And it's a very powerful thing. Watch what happens. 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This isn't trash talk. This is prophecy. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. That's how you talk to your problem, just like that. Now notice something here. David has not been given any encouragement from anyone. He's not been given a pat on the back, no affirming words. Nobody has come along and, and give him, given him encouraging words. David has solely and completely relied on who God is for him in this situation. Now, encouragement and affirming words are wonderful and good. But there are times when you may not have those things. But if you have God, you have what you need. And David didn't have any of that, but he faces impossible odds with a giant telling him he's about to die. David isn't moved because he knows the victory is not about his size, his age, or his ability. And what that means for me and for you is that when we face the impossible, we also uh, will hear accusations against our ability, against maybe age, maybe strength. Maybe we'll hear accusations about our past or about our mistakes. But just like David, 
just exactly like David. It's not about you. The victory is not based on you. It's based on God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right, let's finish this part up. 1 Samuel 17, 48 through 50. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. He fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Now this is breakthrough. This here is breakthrough. This is the breakthrough that the armies of Israel were afraid would not happen. But it did happen. This is breakthrough. Many people in here have been praying for breakthrough. This is what breakthrough looks like. But listen to this. And this is, this is a deep thing. This is a powerful key. Breakthrough is always linked to follow through. Breakthrough is always linked to follow through. When you are attacked or when you are facing impossible odds, the goal is not only to defend and survive. You need to take new ground. You need to take new ground. This is what I believe. When the enemy takes action against the children of God, he should have to pay a high price. He should have to pay a high price. So let's read the end of the story and see what happens. Verse 50. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistine as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Shearim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. Notice this. David killed him with the sword. David killed Goliath with the sword. He stopped him with the sling but he killed him with the sword. That's important because giants can be stopped with breakthrough, but giants are ended with follow through. There's a difference. Giants can be stopped with breakthrough, but they are ended with follow through. Now again, let's bring it back to here and now. There are some of you that either right now or at some point in your life have been in a place where it's like, God, I need a breakthrough. I need you to come through for me. I need a deliverance. Lord, I just need this pain to stop. I need this depression to just end. I need these voices in my head to just stop. Just give me a break. I need the, I need the heaviness to leave. And you're crying out to God for a breakthrough. And breakthrough can be stopped, but follow-through is what brings an end to that. So there's a difference between breakthrough and follow-through. That's the key that someone needs right now. 
Now also notice this. When the enemy fled, the armies of Israel pursued. It was in that pursuit that even more of the enemy fell. And after that pursuit, Israel plundered the enemy's camp and they came away with more than they had before. God wants to restore all to you that was stolen. God wants to restore everything that was taken. And when we, when we get breakthrough, we need to answer with follow through. Because all of that that happened with the enemy falling and the, and the plundering the enemy's camp, that happened in the follow through, not in the breakthrough. So this account in 1 Samuel, this shows us how David faced off against something impossible. At every moment, every time David opens his mouth and speaks, there is a lesson there that you and I can use when we're facing something that seems impossible. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't have what it takes. This feels like more than I can handle. And then we throw up that pseudo-Bible verse that's not really in the Bible. Well, God will never give you anything more than you can handle. It doesn't actually say that in the Bible, but then we pull that out in times like this when we face a giant in our life. But David shows us, verse by verse, every time he opens his mouth, how to respond to a giant, how to get a breakthrough, and how to follow through. But remember, we're talking about two kinds of situations today. We're talking about those who are facing a giant, and we're talking about those who have already been through a battle. And at this point, you really just want to recover you want, to be back, you want to come back to normal. You want to feel peace again. You want to feel joy again. And so David understands how to encourage himself in the Lord. And we're going to learn how to do that in the same way that we learned uh, from David facing Goliath. Now, in 1 Samuel 23, David is encouraged by a friend. <clears throat> and that's a kingdom of God thing. I mean, God designed his kingdom to work that way. God put people in your life to be an encouragement to you. That's a strategic move by your father to place people around you to be an encouragement to you. But there are times when there's nobody close by and you need to be able to encourage yourself in the Lord. David shows us how to do this. So here's what's going on. We fast forward in David's life. Many things have happened. And David is at a point in his life where King Saul has kind of turned on him. He, he's, he, he hates him. He want, he's tried to kill him multiple times. And David is on the run. He's a fugitive. Uh, he's, he's, he's out running away from Saul for his very life. And he's, he's gathered together kind of this group of lonely reprobates, these men who are in debt, these men who are depressed and downcast, like 600 men and their families, and they follow David around. <clears throat> and David has escaped. It's, an, it's a really interesting story. David has escaped from Saul by going into the land of the enemies that he used to fight. And so David and these men are living in a town called Ziklag. And David and the men were away, and while, they're, while they were away, the Amalekites came, they burned the town down. They destroyed all of his belongings. They stole his flocks, his herds, and they kidnapped his, the, all of the wives and the children of all of these guys. 
And so you got to kind of imagine this situation. Everybody, every one of us in here have had a bad day. Some of us much worse than others. But David had a really bad day. So he comes back home with these men and everything's burning. Everything's gone. Their families are gone. They've been kidnapped by raiders. And um, here's what it says happened. 1 Samuel 33 through 4. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever wept until you had no more strength to weep? You've cried all your tears. You still feel like crying, but there isn't anything left to cry. And you've literally gotten to a place where sorrow has exhausted you. And that's where David and these men were. And this was the real deal. And it's even worse for David than these guys because David finds his home burned, his family taken, and his friends, all these guys, are now wanting to kill him because they're so wrapped up in grief and anger. They're blaming David. That's what it says in uh, verse 6. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. That's a bad day. That's a really bad day. So what do you do? You don't even have friends to encourage you at this point. Your friends want you dead. Your family's gone. They've been taken by raiders. Your home's gone. It's burnt to the ground. You got nobody on your side. Here's what David does. It's amazing. It's amazing. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Whenever I read that, and I know the answer now, but for years, when I would read that, I would be like, how did he do that? And if, and if any of you in here have had a really bad day, I mean a really bad day, you've experienced incredible loss. You've experienced incredible pain. You look at this verse, David strengthened himself in the Lord, and you say, how did he do that? How is that possible? Well, I want to tell you how David did it, and um, I want to do this from a different place, so I shot a video, and um, let's go ahead and play that video right now. Well, I'm standing um, in a shed in my backyard that my wife and I are converting into a prayer cabin. And there's a reason why I wanted to come to you from this place, because this is a place, even though it's a work in progress, we're not done yet, but this is a place that is designed to be a place where it's easy, hopefully, to seek God. And even though this isn't complete yet, we've already been out here praying and worshiping and seeking God. And I want to say that because this is part of the key that David shows us on how to um, build yourself up and strengthen yourself in the Lord when something terrible has happened. So David has already uh, had experience in this. David has already had to uh, do this. He's already had to look to God for strength. 
but especially on this day when they return to Ziklag and, and their families have been taken and their houses have been burned and David's friends are wanting to stone him, he, he needs to be able to build himself up on the, in the Lord, and he does it. And there are two things that David does that we can see, not necessarily in here in 1 Samuel, but we can see in David's own writing how he does that. Now, uh, number one, David seeks God. That's the first thing. When you're in a day of trouble, when something bad has happened, you seek God. You seek God first. You don't look in other directions. You don't look in other places for the answer. Your focus is on God. So, it, for, like I said, 1 Samuel may not give us much of a clue on exactly how David did that, but David wrote most of the book of Psalms, and we can see all throughout Psalms how David does that. Look at Psalms 28, 6 through 7. He says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Listen, there is strength in God for you. David found strength in God, and you can find strength in God too. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 40. This is one of the most famous, well-known uh, sections of the Bible for those who are weary, who are worn out, who don't have any more strength. You've heard it before. It's helped me so many times. But listen to this in Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. To strengthen yourself in the Lord, you have to be sure you're seeking Him first, that your focus is on Him, that your attention is on Him, that you're making yourself acknowledge and be aware of how great God is, of how good God is, and you seek Him first. Now, I told you the first thing is to seek God. The second thing we see in David is to speak life. Number one, seek God. Number two, speak life on that bad day. So as you remember these things, speak them out loud. Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so in those moments where you're faced with something bad that happened, something that has worn you out, something that has, has knocked you down, Use your words to release life, to speak life. Now, something happens on a spiritual level when you do that. When you speak God's word with your mouth, things happen that your, your, your physical eyes may not be able to see, but nonetheless, things are set into motion. Listen to what David wrote in Psalms 91. Now, this is another famous chapter for those who need protection, shelter, and help from God. David says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I will say to the Lord. Uh, I've seen some translations that say, I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, but I will say it. It's more than just knowing it. I'm speaking it out. 
to build yourself up in the Lord is to unleash the power of the word of God with your mouth. Now listen to Psalm 107, one through two. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. That's another way of using your words. But it says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Look, if God has redeemed you from trouble, if you have a testimony, if you have a story of God's faithfulness, speak it out. Say it. Speak it, especially in that dark day. Speak your story, your testimony of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness, of God's provision, of God's protection. Listen to this. Many people in times of trouble start speaking fear. But when you speak fear, you believe the lie that fear is telling you. And when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. That's why David knew that we have to speak life. We can't speak fear. And we have to seek God and speak life. And in doing that, we build ourselves up in dark days, in troubling days, in times of sorrow and sadness and weakness, we can build ourselves up in the strength of the Lord by seeking God and speaking life. Seek God, speak life. Seek God, speak life. It's not easy to do when you don't feel like doing that, but it works. And the consistency works. Now, remember what we learned earlier with the story of Goliath. Breakthrough is connected to follow-through. Breakthrough is connected to follow-through. Now, David's breakthrough in this particular situation here at Ziklag was that he was so overwhelmed by sorrow that he had wept until he couldn't weep anymore, and then he strengthened himself in the Lord. That was his breakthrough. He got a breakthrough by strengthening himself in the Lord. But beyond the breakthrough, there was a follow-through. Now let's just, in closing, let's look at this. 1 Samuel 38 through 9, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out, and the 600 men who were with him. Now let's jump ahead. Uh, verse 17. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. And David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and the herds and the people who drove the livestock before him said, this is David's spoil. So David strengthened himself in the Lord on that horrible day. That was his breakthrough. But pursuing, overtaking the enemy and getting back everything that was stolen was the follow through. Now let's talk about us. Are you facing something that seems impossible? That was the question I asked at the beginning. Because we want to keep this in context here. 
We don't want to just have an interesting study on a story in the Bible. Because the Bible is given to us as a means for God to speak into our life. And so are you facing something that seems impossible? Are you facing something that just has you overwhelmed? You're trying to muster your own strength to face whatever this thing is, and you're just not doing it. It's too much. Or are you on the other end of something, a battle, a struggle, a challenge, a loss, and you can't seem to just come out of the pain. You can't seem to come out from underneath the heaviness. You can't, you're trying to remember what it even feels like to have peace or joy. And you need strength, but you just can't seem to get it. Is that you? There is a breakthrough for you. There is a breakthrough for you. One of the descriptors of God in the Bible is that he's the Lord of the breakthrough. Expect it. Look for it. Believe for it. Speak it. And when the breakthrough comes, don't stop there. Follow through. Pursue. Take back all that was stolen. Let God plant your feet on solid ground and start walking on that path. And let me say this, and I want you to receive this. This is for you. The best is yet to come. Your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. That's true. And that's not me just trying to be an encourager today. You know, the Bible says... The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter and brighter to the noonday. That's the path you're walking on. So here's, here's what I want to do to wrap up today. Let's all stand up. I want to pray over you. And um, we're going to, to sing together one more time. And then we're going to dismiss a certain way. And I want to be really clear about this because once the service is dismissed and you see people getting their things and getting ready to leave, for many of you, the service is not over. Because if you are in a place where you're facing something challenging and you, you need that breakthrough, or if you're in a place where you feel like you just haven't even recovered from the last thing, at that point when we dismiss, our prayer team will be up here and I want you to come up and let us pray with you and let us seal this in the Lord. But for right now, as we close up, we're gonna sing about there's power in the name of Jesus. And as we sing this, let it stir faith up in you and expect for God to do something. Holy Spirit, make your presence known right now, I pray. As we sing these words, as we sing about the power of the name of Jesus, Lord, activate something in our hearts. Lord, let there be faith that is stirred up, sparked to life. And Lord, I pray that you would open up a door of hope in people's lives, that they would see there is a breakthrough. God is a God of breakthrough, and there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain.